What is up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show for you guys today. Um, a really bizarre situation going on with the Zack Snyder's Justice League. We'll get to that in just a second. Also, some major news regarding the future of the X-Men and the MCU. A major scoop by the Illuminati this past Friday. We'll give you guys the latest on that. Also, uh, an update on the status of Black Widow and whether or not uh, it is on track to make its debut in theaters in May. That movie now a year delayed. It's supposed to come back, come out last April. Now we're right now set for May. We'll give you guys the latest on, on what the situation is with that. Um, we got some updates on the Thor project. We got an update on the Silk project. If you guys remember that uh, that that whole situation and, and the Sony verse trying to, to expand its its, its work. There's a, there's a uh, some news on the, on the Silk project. And towards the end of the show, obviously, WandaVision has been a huge deal. And and if you've been catching our YouTube videos, you should. If you haven't, we've uh, been recapping WandaVision every week on our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. And while we, you know. If you want to see our finale review, you should go on there and check that out. We will, at the very end of the show, have some comments about some of the, the commentary coming now from the directors and showrunner uh, following the show. Now that we've seen all the, all episodes, all nine episodes, uh, they've been uh, commenting on some of the theories, some of the uh, uh, some of their their workings and why they were doing certain things. So I, I think that you know to to save spoilers for the end of the podcast. For those who have not uh, listened to that, and since we won't have a generic uh, show review this week, we're not going to be reviewing any of the CW shows uh, today. That'll be a good spot to that to be at the end. So stay on uh, for the end of the podcast. Catch some of uh, some Wandavision commentary, particularly some comments from the uh, showrunner Jack Schaefer, director Matt Shackman. So good stuff on this podcast. Shamari is my co-host along with Kendall, and starting with Sham, this Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. Uh, you know, a leak that we saw this yesterday was pretty wild. I mean, you had a situation where apparently HBO Max users, if they had went to try to play Tom and Jerry, all of a sudden the Zack Snyder Justice League movie would play. And this was apparently an issue that had gone on for a couple of hours prior to uh, them finally realizing something was wrong and then their ability to take it down and swap it out with, I guess, the right project in there, Tom and Jerry. But now with this happening, Sham, that means that you know this movie is out there. You know, people have seen it. People have probably recorded it or, or done whatever they could to, to take whatever they could from this film. What do you just make of this whole scenario? It's definitely a, a an unfortunate situation for Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Kendall was the one that broke this news to me. He just said, "Hey, you heard about the Snyder Cut situation?" I'm like, "What about it?" I mean, it seems to be something every week. And it's like, oh, the movies, you know, people were just watching it. They they go to Tom and Jerry. They play Tom and Jerry. And Snyder Cut would play. I'm like, wow. You know, so it, it's, uh, yeah, so this obviously is very bad for the movie, for the streams. And, you know, even Ray Fisher's coming out and saying, guys, we could, you know, stream the movie when it's out. And, and da, 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 you know, kind of be like, hey, watch it when it's out. And, you know, what? We'll see what happens. Um, so, you know, if if, if there anyone that's listening, obviously, if if you, I'm sure you probably are aware of this, but if you're not, you are now. If the movie's out there, if you go online, if you're looking up Snyder Cut information, beware. You know, if you're going to any kind of comment section of anything Snyder Cut related, beware. Spoilers you know, are so out in the open now. 
spoilers are all over. Yeah, and they're so, legitimate leaks. They're not, you yeah, know, they're real leaks. Hearsay. People yeah. have seen the movie. People <laughs> have seen the whole movie, and HBO Max admitted that yeah. this happened. It's not even something where it's like, oh, I heard that. No, they said that the movie was out. It was out, and we shut it down as fast as we could, and, you know, that that's just what happened. But we have it under control now. So, yeah, it's a pretty crazy situation. Um, I'm just going to do what I can at this point to not get spoiled, uh, to wait. Maybe I'll check out some of the trailers they release. I know they release a new trailer or a teaser, teaser, trailer, TV spot, whatever you want to call it. They've been releasing them for all the characters. Yeah. But they released one for villains. I know that features Deathstroke and Joker and all this stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. So maybe I'll check out <laughs> some of the new trailers that they come out with. But, um, but yeah, at this point, we're all just going to be trying to avoid spoilers. Kendall, yeah, uh, Kendall, what do you what do you what do you make of this entire situation, and what do you expect there to be any kind of domino effect from this happening? Well, see, so that's interesting. So first of all, I mean, from a consumer standpoint, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't I didn't catch this when it came out, but uh, had I had I caught it, I may have watched it. You know, I mean, I hate to say it, they they gave it to me. This wasn't like yeah, this I, would, I, would, I would have watched. It. Yeah, this is this is something. This is an app that I paid for. They we paid for on. HBO Max. Yeah, they put it on. <laughs> like, yeah, of course I'm watch. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I, I don't blame people for watching it. Um, what I will say is that I mean, this is certainly an unfortunate turn of events for Zack Snyder. Unfortunate turn of events for all the people that want to see this movie succeed. Um, you know, I'm sure that entire cast. Uh, so it, it, that that part of it's tough because obviously the streaming numbers, I don't think they'd be catastrophically affected by this because it's only it's only a couple hours. But you know, it's, it's going to take a little bit of a dip. You know, I would say a lot of the most hardcore people are probably the ones that caught this. You know, the people that and some of those people will watch it again. But um, so that that hurts it a little bit. Um, and I, you know, you got to wonder from a conspiracy standpoint. You know, I know EJ mentioned this is a knock to Warner Brothers. I wonder if this was intentional on some level. What, for Falcon and Winter Soldier or something? Not necessarily Falcon and <laughs> Winter Soldier. But, you know, you got to wonder if there are people at Warner Brothers that don't want to see the Snyder Cut be too successful. Um, All right, now they're really, really the conspiracy mindset. Yeah, I know, right? Inside job. You know? <laughs> well, the thing that I've heard people say, Kendall, is, well, you know, I think that it's real that we have to have that discussion. There is other side of it, though, saying, well, this was an HBO Max dealing. You know, Warner Brothers, I know they're all, it's very complicated with Warner Media, but, I mean, they're all in the same umbrella. But, I mean, HBO and DC Warner Brothers movie division is, like, a very different division. They're, yes, they're collaborating in this, but it, it would seem, it was, I, in my opinion, it would seem strange that somehow someone at HBO or so rather somebody at, at, at DC or Warner Brothers had that kind of influence at HBO where they could somehow get it leaked like that. Like, I don't know. It, I'm not saying yeah, it's impossible, what, but that, uh, that just that just seems to me HBO is just a different company than H, than, than, than DC and Warner Brothers. I don't know why HBO want to cut themselves in half by, by, by hurting their own streams. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. When I, when I think about... Well, so first of all, when I think about HBO Max, I, I'm not 100% sure, you know, what the, like, you know, what the significant, what's the breakdown, you know, the company, you know, organizational chart 
how it's set up in terms of who oversees what, where they feel Max fall in the Warner media. Is it its own thing? Where it's yeah. like, I'm sure they've got a president of the issue of Max, just like giving the other presidents. We're getting plus. into the Charlie Day of, oh, this guy's trying to spike <laughs> this one. <laughs> right, right, right. And this, and it's, this it's, it's, takes yeah. away from this. So, like, wait, I don't know. You know, but also like these monopolies. from that from the HBO Max standpoint of this, they're not losing anything. You know, like I mean, people click to watch Tom and Jerry, you're getting the same people. You know, you're helping Tom and Jerry more than you're helping HBO, more than you're helping Justice League. But no, what if someone records that and posts that online? Then then they don't get anything. That that, that does see that that's the that's the that's the problem yeah. because they were that's expecting a certain yeah. number of people to. You know, bite the bullet, pay whatever you got to pay for HBO Max to watch yeah. this film. And now that it's uh, out ahead of time, you may have folks who say, well, I don't need to go to HBO Max. And of course, you could say, well, there would have been somehow it would have got to the Internet anyway. And that's fair. But I think when when it comes out early, I think it does kind of undercut them way more than when you drop it yourself. And then it hits the Internet anyways, because there's a way I think there are probably easier ways to control some of that piracy. I think now it, it kind of, and again, it was only a couple of hours. If we know this movie, it's four hours. So I don't, I don't know if it's possible that a four hour version of this film, full film is out there, but it might undercut them a little bit in that regard. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, the question has to be asked. It's not necessarily, it doesn't seem likely, but you know, Warner media, uh, this thing, this, this whole Snyder Cut controversy hit the highest levels of Warner Brothers, man. The stuff with Ray Fisher is involved in this. Yeah. Um, that's a very public situation. And, you know, it's, not, it's the highest the highest levels of Warner Media. Have, some of those people may have reasons for not wanting this thing to be too successful. Not again. So what, what, what would those would, reasons be? Right. Let's, let's lay it out there. What, what would be those reasons? Well, if this thing is like massively successful of course they would have only they'd be the only ones to have the internal numbers but there could be a conversation had internally about oh should we move forward with Zack Snyder stuff um you know how would some of the people that are currently uh heading DC feel about that uh what would happen to some of the you know the the what would happen in terms of uh, again, Ray, someone like Ray Fisher and some of the people that are also that have that have been loyal to Zack Snyder. That, that those just become uncomfortable conversations that they don't want to deal with. They want to. They felt like, well, we gave the people they wanted. Now they can get off our back and we can make a little bit of money off of this. But if this is more successful than they expected, then they got to start having a larger conversation about how can we make more money off of this. And yeah. I mean, look, maybe they're fine with that, but there may be some people that are, at Warner Brothers that uh, uh, don't even want that to happen. Sam, Sam, do you uh, do you buy do you buy that as a possibility? Do you buy that as even a theory that makes sense? You think? Um, uh, I mean, I mean, I suppose. Though, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I I feel like they are not too concerned. I don't think they're that concerned with Zack Snyder at this point. He got what he want. The fans got what they want. You know, the fans aren't expecting. Snyder to to just you know take over you know right. the D, the DCEU again and maybe some are but they don't they're just not informed as to what's going on <laughs> so yeah you know, you know I mean it is what it is right. so yeah I, I don't think they're that 
I don't think they're that concerned by it personally. I mean, I it's a possibility. Is it a possibility? Sure, but like I just I I don't think that that's what's going on. I think that you know it leaked, you know some some algorithm or some you know IT troll. I guess I, I, an HBO Max was like, oh let me let me uh, cross these wires here, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Snyder Cut was playing with Tom and Jerry. Right. That's what I think happened, and you know maybe someone got fired or suspended or whatever. Um, you know, hopefully not for if it was a simple mistake, but you know, I think that's what happened, and and now we all just have to be careful of not getting spoiled. It's a it's certainly a bizarre situation. I mean, there are plenty going to be plenty of conspiracy theories. I don't think that they're too crazy, though. I, again, I do feel like it just considering again the the, the differences between a, a company like HBO and a company like DC. To me, that would take either someone at HBO having some kind of grudge or some kind of interpersonal working between someone at HBO and someone at DC to get this to come out like this. Um, that so is just HBO, like, to me. are they running HBO Max or is it like, or is that just a name? Because I always... No, it's, it's an HBO property. Yeah, I always, I always interpreted HBO Max as like kind of its own thing as opposed to like being... I mean, it is, but it's still not... It's still... Like it's still HBO and it's still not DC. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not DC. Like, like, so, like, so when it comes to like the hierarchy, like, I just feel like the folks over HBO Max just aren't really dealing with the folks at DC in a way that this is this to me would be possible. You know, I'd have right. to look up like the exact hierarchy. I know HBO Max does have like a particular, you know, leadership. Um, I know we've done stories about it. Like I pulled up an article right now that says HBO Max shakeup. Because remember, they fired a bunch of people because of a very, um, yeah, a, a, lot very, of a very, very poor opening. You know, um, and we've talked about that on this podcast. So you know, there's there's different folks. Again, Toby Emmerich, um, he's not a studio chief. You know, he's again, he's not someone that I would necessarily say he's a DC person. You know. The way I understood when this whole thing shook out was that, you know, they had to pitch it to HBO Max after DC agreed to want to go forward with doing this Zack Snyder cut. So, and then we've seen that time where things we thought were going to HBO Max and like, you know, it's like Green Arrow and the Canary, sorry, Sham. Uh, and then be like, nah, we don't want that, you know? So, so it's not necessarily just this all this autonomous, oh, we all are kumbaya and we just all work together. So, for, for the for the most like uh, salacious conspiracy to be true, that seems unlikely. Could there be some? Now that I'm not saying an inside job isn't impossible. Like I think what's more likely would be something like, you know, somebody inside HBO Max got a bag from some hacker. Somebody said, "Yo, leak the joint." Like someone somehow working with someone who is in that piracy game, that seems to me more likely of how this could have happened. And that would be unfortunate. That would suck. But um, if we're going beyond this wasn't a mistake, which I lean towards more that that's what this was, I think that that's probably more likely. That somebody inside HBO Max went rogue for some reason. Uh, I don't think it would be a fan. Like I, 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 just don't, I don't think that would make sense. I think it would be someone who, again, has some kind of cut with the guy who does piracy or a girl who does piracy, you know, whoever. Um and that somehow this is how this all went down. That's that's my take on it. But uh, either way, I mean, you know, 
again, I, I come out with saying this isn't great. You know, Kendall could argue, well, maybe it is great for some people. I think overall for the company, this is a, a terrible look. I mean, you had a lot of fans. I mean, you had millions of people that are really ready, excited, and, and excited beyond just the whole, uh, you know, idea of just this Snyder Cut coming out, but what the future meant for it. So when you have something like this happen, that in theory could undercut that future, it's going to leave a lot of people upset. And this is it's par for the course, really, for just a, a bizarre rollout of the, anything involving Zack Snyder. Um, nothing that's happened with him and that company and this project has been orthodox uh, by any stretch of the imagination. It's all been very unorthodox. So this crazy leak happening on HBO Max app a week, you know, less than a week or less than two weeks before movie's supposed to come out. It's unfortunate, but it's like almost not surprising. It seemed like it was in the cards or something like this. Kind of had to happen. I hope to God there wasn't any, you know, malfeasance going on. And uh, for the sake of, you know, Zach and, and all of his fans, I hope that whatever Justice League was going to do, it gets this due. For better or for worse, I hope there is not any asterisk or anything because of this leak that came out early. But I do want to move on, talk about some of the other topics we got uh, today. So the X-Men reboot is in development according to the Illuminati. This is a pretty big scoop we got last week. So according to them, there is a project uh, in the works at Marvel that right now was working under the title The Mutants. And it is in full-on development. And they were very they talked about how they were excited to announce this news. This is our first um, clear kind of reporting of anything involving the X-Men or mutants of any kind. And what's fascinating to me, guys, is to me, I said this on Twitter, I said it to you guys, when I saw this news drop probably about maybe six, seven hours before WandaVision was going to be hitting Disney Plus, the, the, the final episode of WandaVision, to me, I knew it had to be two things. It had to be either damage control, because they knew that whatever people were expecting in regards to mutants and things like that, they weren't going to be able to deliver in that episode, and people had a lot of crazy theories, like the, the three gentlemen on this podcast, or um, or they wanted to you know supplement whatever great mutant thing they did show somehow in that show. Obviously, it was more the former rather than the latter, and I think that this was strategic. They didn't go to a, a major trade like Variety or Hollywood Reporter. I only say major in the sense that you know those trades do all entertainment news, where someone like Luminarity, which is certainly major in regards to just our sandbox of superhero content um you know they don't obviously do all entertainment so they probably weren't ready for the big variety rollout you know you know the the big scoop for boris kit but uh but they did have something for um for for the illuminati to at least get some of these uh fans who've been salivating for something just to whet their appetite just a little bit so uh shan what did you make of of the news of the mutants first of all just the fact that they're actually doing anything involving mutants and then Right now, this title technically being the mutants as you know it. Um, so first of all, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, that we're starting to get anything, anything really coming out about this property. Um, I mean, when it comes to to getting any kind of X-Men or mutant Easter eggs or, or teases or anything, there aren't many pl- many clear spots in the Marvel cinematic universe where you would expect the X-Men to show up. Uh, so the fact that we're getting news about the X-Men and kind of hints towards the X-Men is very good news. It is very exciting. 
I like, I have to say, I like the mutant. Um, if, you know, if, of course, it is a title. So I, I do uh, do like that title. I do very well think it could be the title. It would be different. It would imply that there isn't such as a very central focus on the X-Men, at least at first. And that's kind of what I would expect. Um, I mean, we know Feige worked on the original uh, movies, the original X-Men movies. And we know that we know that he's going to try to have a different take on this one. So I feel like he may focus a little bit less on the X-Men and more on the mutant the, the the mutants showing up in in the MCU in general. And, of course, the different factions and, and you know, whatever happens with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is wonderful news. I hope that... Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind if the title was X-Men, whatever. I, I mean, I wouldn't care. I'd just be glad that we're getting more X-Men. But I, I do like this title, you know, and I would not mind at all if this were the title of the movie. What about you, Kendall? Uh, what do you what do you think of the idea that Shamari is bringing up here that perhaps this isn't per se an X Men movie, but a movie that maybe covers you know mutants more on a large scale? Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is a I think this is an interesting concept. Um, you know, this is something that really dates back to when we had Comic Con in 2019, Hall H, Saturday Night. And they, you know, they unveiled, or they, they didn't unveil, but they, Feige kind of, you know, referenced the fact that they bought Fox and that uh, the Fantastic Four and the, and the mutants, he said, were coming to the MCU. And at the time, that seemed intentional, the, the terminology, considering, uh, you know, most laymen would use just use the term X-Men. You know, you don't really, no one really calls them the mutants. Uh, so... It seemed like the terminology was intentional, and you know, fast forward to uh, now, and now you get this report using the exact same terminology. The mutants uh, project uh, has been uh, greenlit, and that seems like uh, further further smoke to suggest that, that this is going to be uh, the title of the movie. Um, and look, as we said at the time, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting way to rebrand from the X Men. Um, you know, it's also interesting because like that's been such a big deal. Like that word mutants has been such a such a a big deal uh, in terms of its exclusion in the. Yeah, it's, it's it's like the forbidden word. <laughs> yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and so I feel like you know, similar to when when they first unveiled Captain uh, Spider Man, they had him holding Captain America's shield. That was like a big mm-hmm. thing of like, oh, you know, now we can cross over. Like, I think them even being able to use the term mutants has been something that, you know, that I think they've wanted to do. And I think the, the mutant presence in the MCU has been non-existent. And so the title of the mutants is acknowledging their existence now. And, you know, of course, you do wonder the mutants. Uh, is there a, you know, a tie in to the Eternals in some way, shape or form? Uh, we'll have to see that movie uh, and the mutants as well to find out, but but no, this is this this is an interesting title, and I would imagine this is a movie that follows Charles Xavier and Magneto, probably more so Xavier, I would guess, but because um, I don't know if they're gonna want to do the whole first class thing again. I was gonna say so it's gonna be like first class. That's the only fear. So I would wonder if they maybe stay away from the the Magneto like 
so the, the such close history between the two mm. you know like they don't have to be best friends you know or people that really knew each other like that mm-hmm. to have, still be aligned or intertwined in t- at times so yeah you know those are those, that that's 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 what i take from this that this would probably be a professor x uh and maybe magneto led project um this could be professor x older it could be professor x younger i would imagine older but because I think they want the actor to, that they're going to cast to play Professor X to be the guy, you know, and they can't do the McAvoy thing where, uh, you know, he's like, he's supposed to be like 60, but he, 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 he that doesn't age, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. So they're going to, I would imagine they're going to try to avoid that. <laughs> you know, I, I see, I don't see why they don't, they don't just like, like, Days of Future Pass, or First Class rather, they wanted to play in the X-Men timeline sandbox that never made any sense and, you know, but they wanted to continue. They wanted to pretend like it was all in the same universe. So like right. they intentionally made they, they intentionally went back to like the sixties because they knew like that's theoretically how old they would have been in their right. primes, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to do that, Nancy. Like right. Charles Xavier could be forty um, now, you know, or he could be fifty yeah. now, and he could have been thirty something in the nineties or something like that. Right. You know, so like that's that's something that they could that they could do where you can cast somebody. Let's say you cast. Um, I don't know somebody that's like older, but not like I don't know Tom Cruise. You know, like you can cast Tom. Please Cruise, God, not Tom Cruise. Cruise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you can think of somebody better, obviously. Let's <laughs> hope but, so. Yeah, but like you know, in terms of age, like you can cast somebody like that, and right, they could play Professor X in both timelines. You yeah. know, and it wouldn't. You'd and, have to de-age them still, like Downey, but it wouldn't be ridiculous. Yeah, and and there's nothing that's like against canon that Professor X and Magneto had to be super old. Right, like how oh, yeah. right in, now the, the now original the movie. only problem with Magneto is just the Holocaust aspect of it. Right, they, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's the only, only problem. That's, that's the only problem. problem. But even the comic, even, even the comic books at this point have done plenty of different things to yeah, yeah they explain his age. You know? Yeah, so like, brought some up on the yeah, show before. Yeah, using chambers and things of chambers that nature. And, oh, super you know, soldier chambers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, the comic they think of everything because they got to keep this stuff relevant. So. <laughs> Um, but also, there's a more there's even a more respect for the canon of the comic books than there are for even movies. So they've had to do all crazy kind of cockamamie things to make somehow Magneto being a Holocaust survivor make sense for him still being you know jacked as hell in his you know uh, you know <laughs> early sixties in, in the comics or the late fifties in the comics. Um, but to me, you know, when I hear that right now the working title is Mutants, we'll see if that's the title. I lean, here's what I'll say. I, I lean towards that even if this isn't the title per se, I, th- I don't know if it's going to be an X-Men title. Like I, I think that, you know, Feige, we always know whenever he takes over a property or he, he takes over a project, the one thing he always wants to do is how can I differentiate what I'm doing from what's already been done before? And we've already seen uh, the X-Men kind of, I guess, so to speak, in their prime, if you think about the first three X-Men movies, I know Wolverine was kind of new to the team, but, like, this is a team that's been together for a little minute. You know, Charles Xavier's been doing this for a little minute. Like, uh, so that's kind of, like, the X-Men probably in this, like, truest, like, form and just, like, being the X-Men, per se. Uh, then then you had First Class, uh, where, you, where you had, you know, a Charles Xavier Magneto story that kind of starts really the beginning of the X-Men. You know, not necessarily before but it's like right at this at the beginning of the x-men being formed and from there kind of seeing how this team grows and changes over the course of decades so we know that feige to me is not going to want to do that 
So when you think, okay, well, how can he do his own spin? Well, his own spin would be, again, if you do a story that, yes, is about X-Men characters, but maybe the X-Men aren't a thing yet, and they really, really aren't a thing. Not, oh, they're a thing by the end of the movie, but, like, or maybe only the very beginnings of anything resembling a team are in the works. That would be very different. That would be very unique. And I think that that would actually be really awesome if they went that route. You know, one of the issues I feel like uh, we've had with the X-Men for a lot of people has been this issue of, you know, it being, you know, Wolverine and the X-Men. And a no no disrespect to the cartoon. I love that cartoon. Um, but, like, that kind of, seeing that kind of mindset go into these films where it's always having to center around Wolverine. And even when they, you know, put together a new X-Men team, the second movie they did with the X-Men team had to set, have, have a story that was centered around Wolverine again. So... You know, the way you can kind of avoid that but maybe do your own spin on it is to have maybe uh, a period piece or maybe not. Maybe you have a piece that's still in the current time, but this is the very beginning of mutants being introduced into the Marvel Universe. Because the one thing I will say is I think the one challenge that they're going to have is the big part, a big part of the mutant story is the persecution. So if you don't. If you establish a Marvel Cinematic Universe where there is no mention of mutants, there's no thought of mutants, there's nothing about mutants, how do you how do you insert the persecution and the hatred and the bigotry that they deal with that kind of really motivates all of their actions? It's it's very difficult not to do it in a very cheap way or a rushed way. And I, I'm starting to get the impression that this idea that we're going to get, like, you know, shoehorn X-Men and a team together in, you know, three, four years, like, that might be super unlikely. I think that, you know, Kevin Feige sees the X-Men as a, a big, long-term project that maybe, you know, spans a good 10 years, maybe, before we see, um, you know, an X-Men team as we truly know it. I think what we may be seeing is mutants peppered in here and there and throughout the, the these movies we may see perhaps that animosity to towards these people grows over time and that's where we get mm-hmm. a need for the x-men but i think there's a very good chance this movie starts with the story of maybe just charles and maybe just uh eric and maybe it's them in the very beginnings of what they're trying to do but again not like first class where they're together and trying to build a team maybe it's just them doing whatever they're doing and they go on some kind of adventure. And they encounter, you know, a Shadow King or someone like that. Uh, that I think that would certainly be, you know, unique. Considering, you know, First Class was more of a, you know, a team-up with the X-Men. The first iteration of the X-Men versus the Hellfire Club. I think there's a very good chance that the mutants may just be a Charles and Eric story. And then maybe there are mutants that get peppered in and out of the movie throughout to kind of keep expanding the universe and begin expanding the universe. But I don't know if it's going to be a, a whole thing. And I don't think that we're going to see this universe blending that maybe we thought we would see. And we'll have to talk about that a little bit when we talk about the end of uh, WandaVision. But, like, to me, like, that, when I hear this, this makes me think, okay, they're, they're going to perhaps start from scratch. Literally from scratch. And it may annoy some fans, but I think it, it actually may be fruitful in the long run. Yeah, I mean, and and I I like what you said about about them needing to create the make the conflict seem more organic. Yeah, and have it have it really happen over time, because the X Men, I think in terms of of comic book fans, 
I would say the X-Men are just as popular, if not more popular, than the Avengers. Yes, 100%. And, and Especially I, if you're talking prior to the MCU. Yeah, prior the X, to the X, prior even, MCU, the prior, X-Men are way more popular than the Avengers. Yeah, even prior... I don't even, even think it's close. X-Men. Like Facts. Prior, like, yes. yeah, prior to the X-Men movies, prior to the modern superheroes, yeah, the X-Men have more history and more yeah. popularity. Um, so... So yeah, the X Men need need a lot to. There needs to be a lot of time devoted to developing their story, right? So they can't just be oh, you know, the multiverse and oh, now we have the X Men. Yeah, you know, so, you know, the, the Justice League model. No, <laughs> yeah, you know, so they can't, um, you know, so they can't do anything like that. So it has to be something that's slowly built up over time. You know, maybe you have mutant show up here, mutant show up there. That's why I, I feel like they they may maybe kind of slowly introduce mutants and either whether it be in after credits maybe to some of these movies or you know it may not yeah. be in space it may be at towards like the end of this phase because think about this sham we had the first iron man movie in 2008 think about when we had avengers mm-hmm. it was 2012 yeah four exactly. years and that's yeah. where that's the situation where you're not talking about having to create a whole race of people <laughs> you know you're just trying to get yep. six or seven people on the same page to get to the point to get to the movie. But even then, yeah. it took multiple movies, multiple storylines, and four years to get us to that point. So why would we think that... I mean, I understand why. Money. Money would suggest, yes, you do the quick fix, you can get, you can grab the bag. But Faye seems very... Like, he's, he's a creative at heart, I think. I don't think he's just trying to do stuff just to get the most money as fast as possible. Not with the X-Men. That's something that's near and dear to his heart. We know that. This is one of his introductions to Hollywood. So, because he worked on the first X-Men project. So, to me, when I look at that timeline, that's probably your timeline for perhaps when you actually see an X-Men movie. Maybe you see you have the mutants, and then maybe we have some other projects thrown in there before we actually get to the X-Men. Maybe it's four years, maybe it's five years, six years, whatever. But this, I think, is going, again, it's going to be a, a pretty and, long build. Because I don't think, it's not like Spider-Man where you're shoehorning one character in. And again, it's not even like the Avengers where it's just four or five people that you can just get on the same page. It's a whole right. race of people and it takes a lot more time. And I think that Kevin yeah. wants to make sure it's done right. Yeah. And, and, and uh, controversial, I don't know if this is, con- I don't think uh-uh. it is controversial. Don't I don't me. think it's controversial. Let, let it, let's, let's see. Let's, let's see. What, what do you got? We I don't we may not get the even get the X Men at all this phase, this whole phase. One hundred percent. I think X-Men. it's like I I'll, I'll go yeah, after, X- I'll say it's like nine. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think it's likely we won't get the X Men. Like we just won't phase. we won't have yeah. the X Men. Now what about phase five? I think next phase we will have the X Men. I think and, we will too. And I think they may be the primary. They may be the Avengers level, whatever it is. The X Men have like a central role in whatever the next phase is conflicted. Interesting. I agree. Me and Sham are sharing the brain. I agree with, with everything well, he said. I mean, I think it makes sense. That's a controversial take. I don't know if that's controversial. <laughs> the X-Men? Well, well I mean, what what is, what do we consider? X-Men, I mean, X-Men? has has Fe- Feige hasn't said that whatever they've announced is all of phase four, right? Like, no. Like, they, like Blade, I think we're mm. supposed to assume is phase five. We are. Okay. Fantastic Four, I think we're supposed to assume is phase five. Okay. So, sure. with that being said, with where the movies lie right now, Phase 4 is now until 2023. That would be Phase 4. Part of 23. 
I think now until 22. I think phase according five. To Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, is 23. I don't know why they, they have that. But that's oh, what they're okay. saying. Maybe it's beginning. I don't know. Well, Guardians, they're saying it's a phase. They're, <laughs> they're considering Guardians a phase. They're considering Guardians and Fantastic Four phase, phase four, four movies. Okay. Should make sense. <laughs> and I would probably agree with that. So, yeah, I agree. So, Guardians is definitely 2023. We don't know when Fantastic Four is, but I mean, there's no way it's going to be before 2022 or no. Right, it's not going to be for 2023 this year. So, yeah. So, it's got to be 2023 at the earliest, probably. So, yeah, I think Shamar's one of them. There's no way we're getting next movie before 2024. No way. Yep. They got yeah. all these movies. We still haven't seen Black Widow. We got Shang-Chi. We got Eternals. Shang-Chi. I want to make sure I get that right. Uh, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Thor, Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2, Ant-Man, The Wasp, Guardians, Volume 3. And then if again, we conclude Fantastic Four in that mix, then Fantastic Four is in there as well. So I don't think that that was as controversial as to take that uh, the Avengers... Uh, that we could be getting like uh, an X Men centric kind of MCU storyline, mm. yeah. which is interesting because look, if you're folding in the X Men, you know I would argue that folding them in with the other characters is the best way to do it. And and you want to talk about you want to talk about the movies feeling like the comics? Yeah, right. I mean if the X Men and the mutant problem is a central Marvel Cinematic Universe, kind of has to be. It has to be. Kind of How is it not? Especially and since they ignored it for so long. And that's going to be the thing, I think, for Marvel. When you're talking about differentiating this from the rest of the X-Men movies and also the rest of the MCU is that, um, one, I think they're really going to have to play up the social aspect of the mutants um, and how some of that obviously mirrored some of the stuff that we've seen uh, we saw it during the civil rights era and some stuff that we've seen recently. Um, you know, I think that they're gonna have to they're gonna have to parallel those uh, those parts of the X Men, which the others did a little bit, but you know, they kind of shied away from some of that stuff, tried to make it more about uh, you know more about capes, <laughs> you know. Um, and when you call them when you call this movie this movie the mutants and not the X Men, it sounds like it's gonna be less about capes, which exactly. is, you know, mm-hmm. and. I think the other part of this is that, again, we're talking about um, the big thing that we've talked about since the X-Men and Fox, you know, came to Marvel was, all right, the Fantastic Four is an easy fix on how do you in, uh, include them into the MCU. The, the X-Men seems like an extremely tall order, and that's why we're not going to see them for a long time. I agree with the latter part of it that it seems like that is why we're probably not going to get them anytime soon. But I do wonder, and I think for a while I, I, I was on board that, yeah, I think this is going to be a tough, tough, a tall task to, to, you know, come up with a way in which it makes any sense that the mutants all of a sudden show up. But I feel like what my guess is what's going to happen is I think Feige, because Kevin Feige, you know, is the most probably the most successful Hollywood producer of all time. He, you know, has quarterbacked this shared universe better than anybody. He's kind of pioneered this model of movie making at this point. Um, he, of all people, someone who, like EJ mentioned, worked on the original X Men movies and is now, you know, running all of Marvel 
you know, including multiple X-Men storylines, some of the X-Men storylines that have been some of the more popular X-Men storylines of all time. I think he's probably been loosely making these stories knowing that he doesn't want to close the door on mutants being out there. Mm. So don't be surprised if we see in a mutants movie, like, oh, like a call back to this movie where like they kind of said something, but you know, we had no idea it was any mutants, you know, we had, this had anything to do with mutants and it did, or like, you know, I mean, we were even seeing it. We, we even saw it a little bit in WandaVision, you know, or if you go back to, you know, even when they put Scarlet Witch and, and Quicksilver in Avengers uh, Age of Ultron, like, they called them miracles, but, you know, could you find a way to explain that they were mutants, you know? Like, they, I feel like they could easily say that they've been there the whole time. You'd have to make, you'd have to, you'd have to explain it. You couldn't just say they've been there the whole time and that's it. You'd have to give a very detailed explanation as to how they've been here and we haven't heard anything about them. But I'll give Feige the benefit of the doubt and say that that's what I think he's going to do. I think they have been there the whole time, and I think we're going to get a, a reason why. Probably something government-related where, like, they have been keeping them at bay somehow. Mm. Well, I will say, lastly, is that, to me, when you think about how they built up Avengers, imagine if you had four, three or four different mutant-esque movies before you got the X-Men. Imagine if you had a Charles movie, a Magneto movie. Imagine then you had a movie they were together. Imagine if you had, you know, again, we talk about introducing characters and other properties. Maybe you had Storm and a Black Panther 2. Imagine if you had, you know, let's say you do a Wolverine, a new Wolverine movie. Like, then imagine when you do the X-Men and they come together. Like, Feige... Like he, like Kendall said, I mean, he wrote the playbook. So I know we've had different instances in recent you know, years where he's he's gotten new properties, and it seems like there's going to be kind of just thrown in here. But when it comes to again, uh, some things as large as a whole race of people, I I, I wouldn't put it past him that he he may have something way more, um, way more of a long game than we are anticipating and i'm all for it man you know how much i love the x-men you know how much i love mutants I, I don't need them to just be rushed in here he has a great plan that includes uh you know building these guys out and in a, in a way that is going to uh, provide the, the the greatest character depth uh to these figures then i'm all for it but i want to move on and talk about black widow so this movie right now slated to come out in may uh, and according to Bo- uh, D- Disney CEO Bob Chapek, that is right now still the plan. So he said at uh, the annual meeting of shareholders with Disney that, quote, next up is Marvel's highly anticipated spy thriller Black Widow featuring an all-star cast that includes Oscar nominee Scarlett Johansson, currently set for release in theaters on May 7th. I know Marvel fans have been looking forward to this film for a long time, uh, and I promise you it's well worth the wait. It's absolutely fantastic. So nowhere in there, Kendall, is there any conversation about a hybrid release that includes the digital release on Disney Plus or anywhere else for that matter? Do you feel less inspired now and, and less belief that somehow we will get a digital release of this film on the same day or close to the same day that is supposed to come out in theaters? Yeah, this is a tough one, man. Um... I hope we do. 
you know, uh, for the sake of public health, for the sake of the people that, um, you know, know not to risk it in 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 these in these in the situation as we're still only in May uh, when this movie comes out. Um, obviously, again, it seems like they're gonna that they're that they're all uh, all systems go on, on this uh, on this movie, but. You know, it's 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 unfortunate. You know, I mean, it's it's unfortunate to a to a degree. Uh, I think a bigger blow would be if we heard that they pushed it back, um, because I would suggest that you know you're just not going to be able to see it for months, and that they're they're valuing their pockets. But I also think that you know it's almost equally. I wouldn't say it's equally, but it's almost equally uh, a blow to release it and not have a, a hybrid release during these times right now. Um, Honestly, I don't think it's fathomable to think that they are just going to do a solo release of this movie. This movie's too big. It, it's too big of a movie for only, like, 10% of the country to see it. Because that's what's going to happen. And yep. I just can't imagine that Disney would miscalculate that thing so bad, so poorly that they take that Black Widow, which, again, is a huge movie, but isn't Avengers, Avengers Endgame, that they think that Black Widow is going to get people into the theaters you know i mean that just seems like such a such a crazy uh, seems like such a crazy calculation that i i don't i'm not buying it but i don't know um you know i i my guess is that we will get a hybrid release uh, i think it will come out in may uh they've already got the the cardboard cutouts at movie theaters uh so they seem pretty um seem pretty, uh, you know, persistent about this. They seem pretty content with staying on that May 7th date. And my guess is we also get a hybrid release. Because I can't imagine, you know, just imagine, you know, having to wait, you know, two months to to hear anything about that movie. You know, you got to stay off the internet. All the spoilers out there. All the YouTubers are making crazy MCU videos. And it's like, they're not going to do that, you know? Yeah. Or, or you have to watch it uh, bootleg. Yeah, you know, you just have to, right. you know, uh, Torrent, Torrent, Torrent Mania. Yeah, man, you got to go to a barber shop. <laughs> not <laughs> that, uh, not that new generation media is promoting any kind of elite <laughs> activity. Um, you know, but I'm just, we're just telling it like it is. Oh, uh, right? man. What we're going to do. keep it 100 on this podcast. They go with this, this is going to be the most torrented movie in history of Hollywood, man. Absolutely, everybody's gonna look for it. It's just that's just what it's gonna be. That's just what's gonna happen. People are just gonna watch whatever whatever version yeah. they can find online, and they'll be able to find you'll be able to find it easily. You know, uh, some person that just happens to be either vaccinated or whatever took the risk, whatever they call it, they just filmed it in a theater. People are absolutely gonna watch that version. They're absolutely going to watch that version. So, you know, if that's what Disney wants. Uh, so it's very strange, um, you know, that they would. Uh, I, I mean, I tend to agree with you, Kendall. I think there's going to be some kind of hybrid release. I think, you know, if they release it in theaters, they're going to make it either available online very soon afterwards, you know, so that it's not a really long, like really long, months long wait to for people at home to be able to see it. Because, like, you know, at least half the country ain't going to be vaccinated by then. So. You know, a lot of people are just not going to have the opportunity to see it. And again, the only people that are going to be willing to go out to see it 
of people that are vaccinated, uh, which there are many, but uh, I mean, honestly, a lot of them are older, older folks that yeah, aren't really not exactly the not exactly the folk that uh, we would consider the target demographic for a Black yeah. Widow movie. Come on, absolutely not the target. I, I don't think the nursing home is turning up <laughs> to get to yeah, the not. theaters to see Black Widow, man. They're not taking all the they're not taking them out on a trip to see Black Widow, right? So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so not a lot of people are gonna be able to see this movie. You know, uh, so it's it's it doesn't really make any sense marketing wise um, in terms of, you know, who they expect to, to go see this. I mean, I mean, I know we'll have some people vaccinated by them, but I mean, look at Tenet. Right. Yep. Tenet was supposed to be a major blockbuster. I yeah. would have seen Tenet. Yeah. Had, you know, the, all this crazy stuff had not happened. 100 percent. So people yeah. are not, not risking. People aren't risking it. They're not going to risk it. And the the, the hype. It's about the same. Yeah, you know, kind of not the name of Black Widow doesn't have the 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 Marvel attachment to it. But other than that, movies that probably would have made around the same amount of money in a normal in a normal yeah they would have made a ton of money thing. And yeah, we saw how Tenant went. Tenant, you know, pre vaccinations, but the world's not that much different outside of no. you know a couple of people that like we already pointed out people that mostly wouldn't go to see the movie anyway. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So I agree with you, Ken. I think there's going to be some kind of hybrid because I don't see them like you said. It does just in terms of making you yeah. know generating money, hype, making money, generating buzz, generating yeah. any kind of excitement. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. They they got all this goodwill after WandaVision. They're going to have more goodwill after. And Warner Brothers Falcon is making Winter them Soldier. look awful. Yep. With releasing all these movies. Yeah. For free. Or you know, as long as you have HBO Max, which people are paying for, which I mean, people are paying for Disney Plus. They don't even let you do a trial for Disney Plus. You just have to buy it. Yeah. They don't let you do a trial. So anyone that's watching it on Disney Plus paid for it. So yeah, I feel like there's gonna be some kind of hyper release. I mean, I hope you guys are right. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense because when you look at just the the, the where the ball game is right now in terms of the, the America's fight against COVID nineteen. Right now, uh, Fauci and Biden, you know, they've been saying. You're looking at hopefully being able to allow everyone to get vaccines late spring. It's been what's been the word pretty much. Um, you know, Fauci said maybe April. Now it seems more like May. Uh, certainly Biden saying by May for sure that he thinks that that would be the case. And, you know, this is a, a weird podcast we're recording because it's kind of being recorded over two days. But we're now this second part of the podcast being recorded on a Wednesday. And Mayor de Blasio today saying he doesn't think that, you know, I don't want to make it pretend like New York City, L.A. are only places that have theaters, but those are the big theater cities. And Mayor de Blasio is saying today he doesn't think that everybody would be eligible for vaccine until May or June. So if that's what you're looking at in terms of a timeline, how does May 7th make any sense in regards to safety? How does it make any sense in regards to making money? Because you would think people will feel more comfortable going to the movie theater when they're vaccinated. So while Kendall says, you know, another pushback wouldn't make sense. I don't know why a pushback just to like late July or maybe early August wouldn't make the most sense. Because to me, that would probably be the time where you see the beginnings of America getting back to what it was. I think probably in the most optimistic timeline. It's not a, it's not a, like a, a crazy time. I think it's impossible to happen, but it's still optimistic. You're hoping that everything goes right. But if everything does and it, mostly should but again science you don't know um that you know 
mid late summer is probably when you start to see the country really start to look more like maybe what it used to look like and the beginning to really turn the corner starts to happen why wouldn't you wait for that to happen if you want to do a release uh for this film so you may may 7 just doesn't make any sense to do it just on theaters only for no reasons i mean other than that they're finally open i mean i know that new york has opened them um, I don't know. I would. I, I can't imagine they would have done stick with this release date if L.A. wasn't open. So I'm assuming L.A. has done it, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But these are rather recent openings. It's not like this. They've been open for months, you know. So it, it just seems again. It all seems very strange how they're deciding to do this. You you make a good point. Um, I agree. For like in for like 90 percent of the movies that are coming out in May, you know, it probably is a good idea for them to push back to July. You know, movies that don't have, that are in a more unique, or in less of a unique situation than Black Widow. And I guess the only issue with the Black Widow movie is just, this movie was supposed to come out in, what, April of last year. Um, you know, got pushed back to November. Um, decision that I, I wasn't sure at the time I would have made. I would just stuck my guns and came out with it, with it uh, at that point. But when they put it back in November, I was like, well, I get it. Pandemic going to be over in November, but, you know, they want to try their best. I get it. Uh, then November hit, and they still had to push back because, you know, obviously the pandemic wasn't over. Uh, at that point, I would have said release it on Disney+, Plus, but they said, no, pushing it back to next year, May. We're in May, and the pandemic is not over. It's, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it, it, you can see it. But it's not over. So, but now we're at a point where, you know, all of the buzz, which there was plenty of buzz for that movie in April, you know, in November, it was like, oh, all right, you know, finally we could see Black Widow. There was still some buzz, no Marvel stuff at that point. People just want to see anything Marvel, pushed it back again. Uh, and then it was like, you know what, whatever. WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, that's next. All this hype now from WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier. There isn't really that much hype for Black Widow at this point. They haven't done really a marketing campaign, but honestly, if they did a marketing campaign, I don't think anybody would care. They've shown us so much. Of the That's movie also anyway. why this is weird, though, because there is no marketing campaign behind <laughs> this May seventh release date. Yeah, and so I, you know, I, I, and I feel like they're gonna move it up, or I feel like they're gonna, you know, ramp it up after Falcon Winter Soldier. At least debuts, but maybe I mean you can't do it. You can't ramp it up after Falcon Winter Soldier. It'll be too late at that point. Yeah, it's gonna. But I think when it, de- I think by the time it debuts and we get into April, I think that's when we're gonna start. Uh, if they're gonna keep the date, you can't start. You cannot start a marketing campaign for a movie when nobody's going to the movies in April for a May movie. That's just. I mean, that's why none of this makes any sense. I'm not it's, saying what Kendall is saying isn't gonna happen, but it's ridiculous yeah. to think that. Because right now, since really the turn of the new year, all their attention, all their marketing, and it was a exti- it was an outstanding marketing campaign, has all been linked to one. And, then, and in fact, I think that because it's been so good and because it sucked up all the oxygen, I actually feel like it has dinged Captain uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier a little bit. Like, and, and there's then, no way now that you're going to be able to put that show out and then one month later, it's okay, now get ready for... Not even one month, less than, it's going to be a couple of weeks, it's six weeks. So less than one or two weeks later, you're going to say, okay, well, now let's get it going. Or even in the middle of it, say, okay, well, now we're going to get it revved up for Black Widow when a show's already out it's every week. There's no way. There's no way it could work. 
Yeah, I mean, it, some of that depends on how good Falcon Winter Soldier is. You know, that joint is like WandaVision, where, like, the hype for WandaVision while you were in it, it felt a little bit because, of it, you know, it, it you know, fell apart a little bit at the end in terms of some of the, the hype aspect of it. But, you know, we remember weeks three and four, I mean, we were thinking Magneto was showing up. Like, <laughs> whether, I mean, WandaVision was through the roof. And it was all over the place. So, like, if we have that same kind of thing with Falcon Winter Soldier, and... You know, they then they start promoting Black Widow, which is in a similar vein. You know, I think you can maybe get some people back on board, say, oh, I'm cool with more of this. We would now see Black Widow. You push that thing back again. You know, I just I don't know if it's I don't know if it's as viable. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's as viable. And, you know, Ben, we also have to remember you push that back. Then you got to push back Shane Shi. And then what are you doing after that? Because, I mean, how far are you pushing that back? And then, you know, if you're pushing that to you know, uh, I don't, I don't know, September, now that's going to be, I mean, you, you can do that, I guess, that's a little tight, but with Black Widow, and I don't know, you know, you're, you're already at Spider-Man in December, you know, Sony's not going to move that date, they've got things, they got things they got to consider, you know, and then ultimately, I think the biggest thing is that, look, July, I don't think things are going to be even that much better, like, they'll be better, but, like, it's not going to be, like, droves of people in theaters, so that's no, but happen. I did, but I do think that the odds, it. but the odds that it will be much safer by then to me are way high. Yeah, it will be now, safe, or what it will be in May. Um, just considering, and I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect. It's not, uh, but right now I think we're at like not less than 15 percent of the American population is, is vaccinated. We've had the vaccine for like a year, or not a year. Sorry, for since the start of the year, basically. So like, okay, by then, by May, you probably get into thirty percent, maybe. You told by July if you really did open it up to everybody, okay, maybe July you're at you know, fifty, fifty low high, maybe high fifties at that point. So it just see again, it just seems like that would be the way that make the most sense to to fight uh, to 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 roll out this out. But I don't know. It seems like they're really hell bent on just dropping this in theaters. I hope that they finally come up with some kind of announcement that we will get a digital release to coincide with it. But it just seems absurd that they're really trying to tell people to go to movie theaters to see this property that, I mean, we can go back and forth about how hot it is right now. But, I mean, there's a lot of interest in this movie. And I don't think it's fair to a lot of Americans that they're forcing, and people all over the world, because it's a worldwide release, that you're, you're forcing them to decide whether or not they're willing to take the risk of going to see a movie that they've that they care a lot about you know like we've i've invested a lot in marvel i you know a lot of people around the world have invested a lot in marvel and disney like i don't think you should be putting your consumer through that kind of game like you know morality game in their head of what's best for their health Like that's just it just shouldn't even be a conversation so the fact that they're doing this i still feel is really irresponsible i do want to move on now though talk about thor that is thor Love and Thunder, because some set photos leaked. These aren't, you know, the good set photos you're talking about. These are just like someone from an iPhone from, you know, 100 yards away set photos. But in those set photos, despite how far they are, you could see the kind of gun show that Natalie Portman is bringing to this movie because, man, she looks jacked. Um, And it's not the kind of podcast where we care a lot about talking about people's bodies and things like that. But it's very noticeable when you see the pictures. If you haven't seen them, I suggest you go look for them. They're not hard to find. 
But it's it's clear that she's gotten herself into a, a physical shape and fitness that, I mean, maybe she's had in the past, but I've never seen her look this great in regards to just, again, muscle mass. And we know she's playing a Jane Foster character that is supposed to become Thor. There were some conversations by some fans who thought that maybe it was best if they casted a, another actor to play Jane Foster when she becomes Thor and have just, you know, Natalie Portman maybe play just Jane, you know, when she's not Thor, which, you know, no way Natalie Portman would sign off or anything like that. But the concern being that, you no, know, Natalie's not the biggest, strongest, physically imposing woman, so how would that look? But, uh, but, but to me, seeing her in this, you know, new jacked <laughs> position, it, it, it means a lot to me. And, I, and here's why I'll say that. You know, I'm not trying to say again that it's, it's not neither here or there whether or not she decided to do this uh, for just her own, you know, decision-making. But I think for the fans, I think for me, it's something that we kind of like to see because we think about how Natalie left Marvel and left the Thor franchise. It was on bad terms. We can go back into history and we could dissect whether it was right or wrong what happened with Thor the Dark World and them not signing on uh, Patty Jenkins even though they had basically told Natalie Portman and promised Natalie that this is the director we're going to get and then you see you know you know, Patty's success with Wonder Woman and then you look Natalie Portman also looks a lot smarter uh, in terms of her you know displeasure with uh, them not going with Nat- with, uh, with Patty but then you also see her performance in that movie and the movie's terrible on almost all levels, but you you saw for someone who's such a great actor, you saw someone feel like you mailed it in. So when she was re-signed to be a part of the Marvel universe, you would think to be part of it in a major way if she's becoming Thor. It was a surprise to some people. One, just because of just how seemed disheartened she was when she left, but two, the fans took it a bad way. She was not, you know, on people's Christmas list in regards to how they felt about her departure. She acted like a person who didn't want anything to do with this culture and this fandom. And that's fine and all, but that, you know, made, made enemies, I think, within the fan base. So when she got signed, I think there were some questions about, okay, what is her level of commitment? I know she's getting a lot of money and they're giving her a lot of attention and she's going to need it to do this kind of role, but is she really going to be committed? It's small things, but I think coming into shooting in that kind of physical shape tells me she's very committed to this. And that was something I need to, not need to see, but I like to see. What do you guys say about this? Yeah, yeah, this is um, this is interesting. Um, it shouldn't be shocking because look, she had said that she was, you know, working with the best people, uh, personal trainer, just had a gym, this and that. Um, and look, she was announced as. The Mighty Thor in, you know, that same Comic-Con where they mentioned the X-Men, you know, a long time, we're not even X-Men, the Mutants, a long time ago, pre-pandemic, you know, in a world where you can, you know, stand online and get in Comic-Con, I don't remember these days, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was, what, July of 2019, so uh, she's had more than enough time at this point to get into shape uh, to be Jane Foster, and then even, you know, when did she know she was playing that role? She may have known in March of 2019. She may have known in 2018 that this was the direction they planned on going. So she's had plenty of time to prepare for the role. Um, 
not much else you can do in a pandemic. And look, clearly she didn't take the Robert Pattinson <laughs> side of this. Yeah, you know, eating ice cream and chilling. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> not you picking know, up a weight. I'm playing, I'm playing, playing <laughs> Thor. Who cares what I look like? Picking up no dumbbells. <laughs> yeah, so look, shout, shout out to Natalie Portman um, for putting in the work. And hopefully this translates. You know, I'm excited for this movie. Hopefully it's not too sad. It's certainly a sad storyline in the comics, but uh, not something that we've seen in the MCU. Uh, I don't think we've seen anything in the MCU that, that would rival something that sad. But I don't know. You know, you could look at it in both ways. It's a, it could be a positive story for some people. So um, it should be interesting. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean, she looks fantastic. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know she's a very talented actress, you know, and I, I figured I know kind of you brought up Robert Pattinson. I mean, uh, you know, as talented as Robert Pattinson is, um, you know, and, and even Pattinson, I, I still expect to be in shape, you know, or, or in shape enough at least. So, so, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I know these photos shocked, like really shocked a lot of people. I mean, they didn't shock me at, they didn't shock me as much, you know. I, I mean, I just, I know she would have had time to get in good shape, you know, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, or I mean, I don't know from experience, obviously, but I've, you know, I see a lot of these, you know, stories and things, these, these actors post and they just get a trainer just say, hey, trainer said, this is your diet. This is what you do every day. And they work out with them. Next thing you know, they're Jack, you know, <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> so I mean, so yeah, I mean, and she doesn't, and she doesn't have to be like, you know, like she hulk or anything she just has to be strong or like strong enough built right. you know well built you know she's going from being thin to well built and i'm like she can do that so um so yeah she i mean but but i mean i think this is a testament to show that she's serious about the role which is good and that we're probably in for a pretty cool movie um, because because as you know cuz the, the mighty thor is not like you said not like she hulk like it's not like this, right. yes, there's, yes, she's you know not you know the frail, you know cancer stricken woman that Jane is before, but I mean she she's strong, she's Jack, but she, again it's not this kind of crazy transformation. It's, it's it's believable that someone of the size of Natalie, if like they got the powers of Thor, could look the way she looks now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's so yeah. uh, so in some ways again. There's a lot of credit to go around, but also the credit to Marvel to feel like that this, they could pull this off because it, it looks from a distance like they will. I am curious how, you know, what will happen with the, you know, is cancer part of this whole storyline? Because, again, she looks so great. You know, will there be a CGI element to her being cancer? Yeah, that they'll make it Thor? Or is there, a chance, is there a chance that, you know, cancer is not a part of this? You know, Tyke has kind of been close to the vest and non committal when asked about whether or not uh, Jane's cancer diagnosis would be any part of this story. And we know Marvel has shied away from dark elements at times. So will they all... And so for a movie that's supposed to be a comedy, or at least be very funny, will they want to do that kind of dark story again? You know, it's uh, it's worth asking, you know. I hope they still put it in there, but, you know, there's a chance maybe they don't. But that'll be interesting. It's how they I mean, it? expose this new Natalie Portman physique with someone who's also supposed to play cancer patient at the same time. It's fascinating how for this movie, you know, we've seen 
you know, the Guardians in set photos. We've seen Thor in set photos. We've seen uh, Jane Foster in set photos. Um, and for a movie like Doctor Strange, for example, uh, we haven't seen anything. There have been no set photos. That movie is yep. radio silent. It's filming. It's not like it's not filming, it's, but there's been nothing coming out on it. it. It almost as if Marvel knows, you know, when not to uh, allow the cameras in the bushes mm. um, movie to movie, uh, which is interesting. Um, not they saying seem that be, they, they seem to be letting a lot of people shoot the store movie. If that's the yeah, man, I'm seeing Batista chilling with Chris <laughs> Pratt, chilling with Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> I haven't seen it. One picture of Benedict Cumberbatch. One picture of Elizabeth Olsen. I mean, I mean, there's like spoiler level stuff that's been leaked with these set photos. Yeah, nothing, nothing yeah. regarding Doctor Strange, man. It's that movie seems like that's gonna be crazy. You know, like in terms of like just like stuff that they're not gonna tell you about the movie. That well, you're I'll be honest though. I mean, it looked like it looked like to me. Thor, you know, there was some screens and stuff, but a lot of that was, you know, outdoor stuff we saw. I mean, I wonder how much Doctor Strange is, like, all CGI green screen stuff. Like, That's true as well. You know, considering yeah. considering the subject matter, is there a chance that it's just, like, like, they don't, like, people aren't really getting in and out of there because they're all in some dome somewhere shooting every day. Like, right, Mandalorian style. Right, you know, so so that's the other element to it that we do that I would consider is you know perhaps we're not seeing anything because everything is just so tight lipped over there, based on just the shooting schedule and just how they're shooting everything. But uh, nonetheless, man, I'm excited for Thor: Love and Thunder. I'm excited. I'm just excited to get this Marvel content going. WandaVision has just brought us so much life, so much energy. You could see just how the fandom just rallied around that project and how much it meant to people to have marvel back in their lives that i'm really ready to get it going with these new projects i'm looking forward to seeing all of them six shifting focus though and going quickly to uh television the world of television when it comes to dc surprising interview by comicmovie.com with one ruby rose she's part of a, a different project right now sas red notice which is set to be released uh on march 16th but, of course, given that she was Batwoman and she left in um, what was a pretty dramatic fashion, you know, you're the star of a show, a new show um, that was in many ways transcendent uh, and groundbreaking, she uh, she left. And it was a kind of a mutual parting of ways. She was asked in this interview whether or not she would be willing to return to play Batwoman. And the answer surprised me, or at least play Kate Kane. And the answer surprised me. Uh, she said, I'm obviously moving on to other roles as I've, I think I've done about three films since. I would totally do it. I don't think it would serve the story because I think building the new Batwoman is more important than going back too far into Kate Kane. But of course I would. I would absolutely do anything they wanted as far as that. I haven't watched the whole thing, but I've watched a couple of episodes and I think how they're handling it is beautiful. I think it's her time to shine. So there you have Kate or rather Ruby, saying that never say never when it comes to Kate, that there's a chance that if they called for the right reasons, maybe she would come back to do a one-off type of episode. Kendall, did this surprise you as much as it surprised me? Um, a little bit. You know, some of the stuff, but at, at the same time, I'm not going to say it was a complete shock. Um, you know... 
and a lot of that's because w- when we had heard about the 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 Ruby Rose departure, uh, it actually felt like there was a little more animosity from their side as opposed to her side. So, you know, it kind of just seemed like she didn't want to play the character anymore. Like she was tired of playing Kate Kane. She wanted to be the face of the show. She wouldn't have to deal with putting on the suit and doing all the physical stuff anymore. Yeah. You know, especially after she almost got injured. Um, or she did get injured, but, you know, could have gotten injured more severely uh, during a stunt. So it, a lot of that stuff, I think, played into her, played into why she didn't want to do it. But coming back to the show to just be Kate Kane and not Batwoman, it probably is pretty appealing. Oh, you're going to pay me to come on set for a day, you know, or two and, you know, shoot a couple of scenes. Don't have to wear a costume, you know, just wear whatever outfit, you know, and then right. and that's it. I'm sure she would do that. Um, I'm sure the bag would be terrific. Yeah, yeah, and financially, you know, why not? So, um, yeah, I, it's a little surprising, but it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I I pretty much agree uh, completely with you, Keno. It's not. It's not um, I mean, to me, it's not too alarming. Um, you know, I mean, I know we heard a lot of a lot of strange kind of drama and stuff going on, but you know. I know, you know, I'm sure I know from experience, I know <laughs> from things that I've heard, you know, he may leave a certain place on, on bad terms, uh, even, but you know what I mean? Would you go back for a day? Right. Would you go back for a couple of days? Right. Yeah. Especially if they pay you. Yeah. They pay you. They're going to pay you well. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you go back for a day, you know, you don't have to stay, you're not signing in some, in any kind of long-term deal where you have to be the face of the place for years. So yeah, I, I mean, it's not too surprising to me that she would, uh, that she would be willing to go back and, and uh, you know, film an episode, two episodes, three episodes, whatever, um, and then you know maybe give some pointers to the new Batwoman, you know, or, or or advice or whatever input she may give her. Yeah, and like, and that'll be that. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, and I would welcome it. I don't mind, you know. Her showing up as a character, but I think her as the face, it just I don't know, it just didn't work. It just didn't work for me. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't mind her showing up for an episode or two, or uh, to give her whatever Kate story they want to wrap up. <laughs> right. Like I, I'll be cool with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised only because of just how much it seemed like CW and Berlanti and crew seemed almost giddy to be done with Ruby Rose. That, I guess, is why I'm surprised, and to be fair, it's not like it's, you know, some they're asking, hey, we're hearing CW wants to bring you back. Would you do it? It's more of just a very hypothetical. But, you know, when Ruby left, I mean, there was some bad blood, and maybe not necessarily from her point in terms of any public commentary, but it seemed like from CW, again, the comments about, we're gonna we're gonna rally around our team. We're gonna be just fine. They seemed a little bit too excited for what the future held for their show without their star. <laughs> for me to feel comfortable, and then of course you had the source uh, reporting of y'all. She was difficult to work with. She was doing X, Y, and Z. She didn't seem to be all that committed to what it takes to be a star on CW as a superhero. So you get those, you know, those that reporting, and you know, I thought it was. BS when they label her like that, and I still think it is because that label often gets, uh, you know, hit on by to women for most of the time. It's rare that you see men get uh, cast like that. So, 
you know, when you so when you take that aspect of it, I would have assumed that maybe Ruby would have felt a little bit of a way, and there wouldn't be this eagerness to just jump back in. But um, I would welcome them having Kate Kane still be in the fold in some way. I'm not expecting her to be a series regular, but if she became a once in a season or once every couple of seasons person that drops in for an episode or two, I would love that because so, I am a, a keeper of the canon and I know Batwoman to be primarily Kate Kane. It's nothing against Teresa Leslie or Ryan Wilder, but I, I like the idea of Kate Kane still being around. The sports analogy that I would I would I would I would give you EJ is this. Uh, in terms of why the CW has no problem bringing Kate Kane back uh, to play, or bring, bring Ruby Rose back to play Kate Kane. It's like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, obviously Super Bowl champion. You know, last year they had Jameis Winston at quarterback. Uh, they were also elated to see Jameis Winston go. Um, right. Well, they didn't know what the the, the, the the succession plan was, but they were like, we ain't, he ain't coming back here. Um, they bring in Tom Brady. If Jameis Winston was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to be the backup to Brady, they wouldn't they wouldn't care, you know, because he's not the starter anymore, you know. So I feel like they have Tom Brady. I feel like for for Berlanti, they may not have liked working with her in that role, but in a one off episode, you know, where they don't have to consistently. Um, you know, work with Ruby, work, work with Ruby Rose, and they don't have to. She doesn't have to be Batwoman. Um, I can see them having no problem with that. You know, it, it's a different, it's a different situation. Right. So that, that's the analogy that I would, I would, I would, I would attach to that. And I could, I could see that. Um, I guess the only thing that also still kind of makes it weird for me is just it, it does feel like. And again, this is to be, to make it clear for the audience. This is again. Not anything we're hearing about, you know, uh, those guys wanting her back. This is just a question that she was posed in a hypothetical world. But to me, it just would seem like, and kind of Ruby kind of says in her answer, to me, it seems like it would kind of undercut whatever you're doing with Ryan if you really are truly trying to make her Batwoman moving forward um, to bring Ruby back right now. Uh, now, I like Ryan's character, but again, because of the canon and Kate's relationship to Bruce, like, and all that, like, it's to me, it's important to have Kate Kane around a Batwoman show. So, I'm willing to sacrifice whatever may be some undercutting of Ryan in order for that to happen, but for for Berlanti's standpoint and those guys' standpoint, I can see why maybe they wouldn't want to do it. But, yeah, it just seemed like the there was some bad blood that, that, that happened, so the fact that there was this uh, excitement to perhaps maybe joined together again one day is definitely not what I expected, but I'm here for it if that they if they want to go that route. But I do want to move on and talk about one more story before we get to the stuff with WandaVision. So the Illuminati, another scoop here, they say that the Silk Spider-Man spinoff show will be heading to Amazon Prime. This is a project that a lot of people either forgot or don't even know it may be happening, which is a lot like all of these Sony projects, you know, you know, you kind of forget they are existing or you kind of doubt that they're existing. And then you hear, Hey, there's a release date. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I guess this is really happening. Or, Hey, there's a trailer out tomorrow. And you're like, what? Like that's what's happened with Venom. That's what's happened with, uh, with, um, Morbius. And this is now seems like the next iteration of this, where we've been hearing about them wanting to do a silk project. 
there really was no other details other than that, that they were interested in doing a soap project. But here we are. Not only do we now have a show that is supposedly deeply in development, but now we have a home for that show. It's going to be Amazon Prime. And apparently there's already a writer, you know, San Kaiyu Kim, uh, Lord and Miller, Chris Miller, Phil Lord, executive producers on the project. And they are so far apparently eyeing uh, Adeline Rudolph, who is from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, to uh, be the lead role of Cindy Moon, who is, of course, Silk. She's a former classmate of Peter Parker, who also, after uh, being uh, a beginner in law enforcement, gets bitten by a spider, becomes the superhero known as Silk. And again, I'm kind of, like, I'm kind of in shock a little bit that this is happening only because with these Sony projects, you kind of just kind of roll your eyes because with every Morbius, there is, you know, there's, uh, what, black and silver and black, where, you know, the Silver Table Black Cat project that was supposed to come out years ago that, you know, has not got off the ground. So you never know what to expect. But the fact that they've gotten even this far to where you have some kind of commitment from Amazon, they would carry it. It's a little bit surprising to me. Uh, what do you think of this, Chef? Um... I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, you guys know I haven't been following this. This. <laughs> it's this, hard to uh, follow, man. There really isn't much to say. It's just every now and then there's a story about Sony's, pro- you know, plan to do this major Spidey universe movies and shows, but then there's nothing to show for it. So you don't know what to make of it. Yeah. So, and this but then there again, every now and then they'll come out with a trailer for Morbius. You're like, oh, yeah, I guess this is really happening, you know? Yeah, it seems, like, and this, it seems like one of those things. Yeah, and this is even pre-pandemic. You know, it's kind of hard to follow some of these, some of these other right. kind of extra uh, Spider Verse stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, this is interesting. You know, we're getting Silk. It's going on Amazon Prime. That's cool. Um, you know, not much, not much else to analyze. I mean, it's, it's it should be interesting. Um, you know, you wonder if there'll be any any MCU crossover or anything like that. Any Spider Verse, Holland Verse, you know, Tardy uh, uh, Verse, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever other verses are. You know, you wonder if there's going to be any kind of any kind of multiverse kind of thing going on. But um, either way, I'm interested. <laughs> you know, any any kind of yeah, all the all these other verses. <laughs> uh, you know the. Um, uh, whatever the first Spider-Man, his verse, Tom McGuire, yeah, McGuire verse. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, but you wonder if we're gonna get any kind of crossover always with all these new movies now. But either way, you know, I'm fascinated. I like all the Amazon Prime. I like a lot of the Amazon Prime shows. I feel like Prime is very underrated in terms of its original. How was the Tick shows? It was a real show. Yeah, the Tick. The Tick is. Is it just funny? No, it's actually really funny. I didn't finish it, but yeah. it is very good from what I saw. Look so, kind of ridiculous, but I guess the kick, the tick. Yeah, it, it is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But the yeah. cartoon was incredible. Yeah, the cartoon was super underrated. The no cartoon one, is one of my favorite. No one talks about things it. to watch ever. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um. So yeah, Amazon, Amazon has a lot of good content. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this as well. Um, I don't have much on uh on this Silk project in terms of like what we're gonna see. Um, I agree. It will be interesting to see where it takes place in terms of the Spider Verse. Um, you know, it's Lord and Miller, 
And when you talk about Lord and Miller and the Spider-Verse, you think about Into the Spider-Verse, uh, which is obviously a massive success. So, you, you, you know, definitely have, uh, you know, you know, raise eyebrows at that. But um, in terms of in terms in terms of this project, I think the most interesting aspect of it is that it's even on Amazon Prime. You know, obviously in the streaming wars uh, era, we don't have many superhero shows that fall on Amazon Prime. Uh, the Boys uh, is one of them. Not really affiliated with Marvel or DC, but um, that one obviously very successful. So that's a good sign for uh this show i guess um but the other aspect is just like for the future of sony projects like will they all fall into amazon prime you know or will they fall into will some of them go to paramount plus will some of them go to netflix you know will some of them go to disney plus that uh remains to be seen but that's something that i'll be paying attention to um you know i mean i i don't know what i mean i'm assuming something like spider-man is you know going to be released in theaters only by the time we hit december but um you know we there was a time where we weren't sure what was going to happen with spider-man 3 you know is that a, you know or now we know it's no way it's spider-man no way home um you know is that a movie that if they did a hybrid release would they release that on disney plus or you know would they would they sell it to somebody for you know a billion dollars i don't even know how that would work um but it seems like amazon and sony uh have some relationship when it comes to these marvel shows so that's interesting it is interesting. Um, Amazon kind of don't being part of this game is n- not something that we expected. But you know, Sony doesn't have a streaming service, and yes, they have this deal with Spider Man and the MCU. But I'm sure they don't want to just give it all up to Disney. And we know for a fact that part of the part of the the reason why they're even doing what they're doing with Marvel is that so they can build up the Spider Man universe in a in a in a more, uh, you know, robust way. We There's been arguments about whether or not that's feasible, given, you know, Spider-Man is very much the center of his own universe. So, outside of Miles Morales, where are you going to go to really get compelling Spider-Man stories? And some of their adventures seem interesting. Others seem a little bit uh, hard to believe. But... We know this is something they want to do. So if they are able to cut a deal with Amazon to, to get the bread they maybe not be getting from doing a Spider-Man movie that's solely, you know, financed and all the money coming from themselves, this is going to be their way to do it. Let's get to the end of the show here, which is, you know, we want to give a spoiler warning to all the people who are listening to this podcast who have not seen WandaVision. Once again, I want to tell you all our WandaVision episode recaps are on this, excuse me, on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, Generation Media, episodes one through nine are all on there. So if you want to catch our uh, recaps and review and discussion of all things WandaVision, you can watch all of those um, episodes and see our transition from thinking Max Gito was showing up in episode three, as Kendall said earlier, to where we were by episode nine. Um, but I only say that to say that this will be kind of a spoiler heavy conversation because this is going to be our talk about. Uh, what the showrunners and the director uh, are saying about this series now that it's out because they're now finally kind of lifting their I mean, they've been talking throughout it but you know now they're kind of talking a lot more details in regarding some of the decisions that they made and kind of one of the decisions that I think is definitely most controversial was what they did with uh, the Pietro situation 
And when it came to Pietro, you use a character or use an actor in Evan Peters, who obviously was the Quicksilver in the Fox X Men movies, and he's extremely an extremely popular Quicksilver, one that was like, deeply well received, and, and maybe the one true thing that you could say Marvel got a excuse me Fox got the upper hand on Marvel with something. You know, Marvel is kind of gone carte blanche with all the things that they've done, but this was kind of one where you said, nah, Fox outdid them. They, they did a better Quicksilver. When asked about why they did what they did, uh, uh, Matt uh, Shackman basically said that, that when it came to Iron Man 3, and if you remember Iron Man 3, you had the whole situation with Ben Kingsley's Mandarin, that while some people have certainly made the the leap that you know this seems very similar he said that he was actually inspired by that which was very shocking to me because i think for a lot of iron man fans a lot of superhero fans a lot of just movie fans that was one of the worst parts of iron man 3 and in fact here you had him saying that that actually was some of the inspiration behind what they did with pietro where it seemed like he may have been next man's pietro but instead it seems like he was just some guy that agnes gave uh, powers through through a necklace, uh, and he just happened to look like Pietro and look like the guy from the Fox uh, X Men movies. Were you surprised to to hear that that was indeed the actual motivation behind why they did that? Um, again, this is one where I'm like, I, I'm not shocked only because the parallels are so obvious. You know, we mentioned it in our review. Like, yeah. if the if the the, the most gut-wrenching twist in Marvel in the MCU since Ender, you know, 100%. It's the only parallel. The only other one since that's been even in the same realm is the Mysterio twist. The Mysterio twist is pretty obvious because he's Mysterio. Like, right. they're, not trying to, they're not trying to mess with you. They're trying to mess with you by, like, making you think that, like, that he was a good guy. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, but, like, Making the Mandarin the villain of Iron Man three is not a that's not a twist like that's not you're no, not messing no with me. No one wants that to be a twist. Yeah, no one wants that to be the twist. No one wants Quicksilver being in a Scarlet Witch show, you know, being played by the guy that played him in the X Men movies after you just bought the X Men to be a twist. Nobody wants that to be a twist. So yeah. from that perspective, it's not shocking. It's still disappointing. And I mean, look, I would just say to uh, Matt Shackman that I don't really, I don't really think it worked. Um, you know, I mean, unless, you know, you made, you know, it, it, do I think it was the end of the world? No, it didn't ruin the show. Um, but, I, you know, I don't, I don't see the value in it. You could have had, you could have done ways, you could have introduced Evan Peters, made him the Fox Quicksilver, and like, but not really done anything with it. And that would have still been disappointing to some people, but it would have made some bit of sense. But just bringing him in just to mess with the audience just feels weird. Just feels weird. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean... I, Even Elizabeth Olsen said she thought he was playing Quicksilver, like the Fox version. She's like, oh, snap, we're getting a multiverse. And then when she found out it wasn't, she was like, oh, wow, this is cool. And I'm like, there's no way that was true. There's no way that was true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe that was to her bosses because she didn't want to get fired. <laughs> yeah, no. but you're getting paid a certain amount. Yeah, of you, you'll, 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 you'll go along with a lot of Everything things. Everything sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a weird, it's a strange, uh, you know, calculation that it's, they've it's made. That's the artist's brain right there. Huh? That's the, that's the artist's brain right there. 
Yeah, yeah it's weird. <laughs> you know, it's very strange. Um, so so it's it's odd. It doesn't really make too much sense. I mean, like like you said, Kendall, it's not a twist. It's not a twist people want to see. You know, um, and you know, it's just and, and it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with the mutants. I mean, I don't think we're gonna get anything X Men or Brotherhood for many years. So it's not like they're teasing yeah. something and then, oh, we're going to pull the rug out from under you. But then, oh, in a year, you're going to see You'll some get mutants. what you want. Exactly. You know, it's like, no, we're not going to get what we want for many years to come. Yeah. So it's very strange that they would want to do this now. I mean, unless we're going to start getting hints towards mutants very soon, you know, whether it be in Doctor Strange or something else. But I don't think that's a guarantee. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully we do. I think they may sprinkle it in here and there. Somebody may need some after credits, hopefully. But, you know, if not, then this seems very... It's just a very weird jab at fans of those movies. You know, so it's strange uh, that they would choose to do this. I mean, if that were a malign character, if people hated that Quicksilver, I'd probably be more... I guess probably more lenient. Probably be like, all right, well, I mean, people didn't want this anyway. Maybe it's kind of a, you know... Maybe it's even a knock at Fox. I don't know, but like, but people like that Quicksilver. People were excited to see that Quicksilver. Yeah, you know, you know, what this reminded me, guys. Uh, Shamar, you know a little about this. Kendall will probably even better understand because he still watches wrestling. But this kind of reminds me of like when Vince McMahon would sign like a WCW guy or some guy from another company who was a big star, and you bring them, and he would bring him to WWE, and then he make them a joke. And part of it's like, is he doing this because, like, he sees creative, like, there's something creatively funny he likes about it, or there's something good he sees in this? Or is this kind of a way to, like, kind of, like, throw salt in the wound and kind of, like, get back at, you know, just, not maybe not that person, but, like, the figure that was against him that gave him trouble? Like, for WCW fans, I don't know how many people we saw from WCW get terrible creative writing. And Shamari knows a little bit about that because that's our era when they got to WWE or, you know, guys who were indie guys or guys who made their names elsewhere and they get to WWE and it seems like, you know, they want to play games. Like, you know, the famous story of, you know, you sign Dusty Rose finally and you put him in polka dots. Like, you know, that, that's how I felt watching the Evan Peters thing. It felt like Marvel, you know, kind of, you know, kind of uh burying you know what was established with those x-men movies and look i'll be honest a lot of bad crap in the last two movies i understand wanting to bury a lot of it but if there was anything that was you would think almost untouchable you would think it would be uh the portrayal of quicksilver but it's the only thing that really truly runs in contrast to what marvel did so to make that quicksilver just a guy to be a boner joke it, it's, it felt very Vince McMahon-like. And I know, uh, I'm not saying, I don't know if that's why they did it, but, you know, Schaefer saying that, oh, we thought it was funny, this idea that, you know, that Agnes just, like, came into the town and took over some guy's house and that, like, you know, when she's talking about Ralph the whole time, she's talking about her own hostage in this, you know, hilarious kind of way. Like, it just it just feels like you're trying to make a joke of, like, something that was actually really important to fans and really really excited fans you know and sometimes when when you get the opportunity and you have all the leverage and you have all the properties you can do what you want that's when sometimes you'll play games and 
It's just how I, it's just how I see it. I've seen it happen in wrestling. It looks a little very similar when I look at this situation. That's a good analogy. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Um, you know, you know, or like, you know, another one. You know, if you look at in sports, you know, you get a, you trade for a basketball player, and then like you know you you're playing him out of position, or in any sport, you know, you trade for a soccer, you know, you sign a soccer star, you know, a, a goal scorer, and you play him in the midfield. It's like that's not his role. Right. You know, like, why would you bring in Evan Peters to play a guy who's not Quicksilver? Right? I, I, I don't know. You know, and they and they knew what they were doing. Like they brought him in to play Quicksilver. It wasn't like they brought him in to, to like, you know, be some Joe Schmo. That would have been no, he's Quicksilver for most of the time he's in the show. Yeah. So, like, they know that they get the joke. They get the they're, they're intentionally messing with you. But it's and they know his value and it works because he does a good job in the role he was playing. You know, none of this is at the fault of Evan Peter. That's just the the writing is, yeah, it was, it was a blow. You know, another thing that I, that I did find interesting real quick was you know Jack Shaver talking about uh, how they clearly you know they had plans it seemed for Doctor Strange. Um, she didn't necessarily uh, say that directly, but she was asked why Doctor Strange didn't show up and she kind of made it seem like you know you know stuff happens yeah i had that quote here she said uh i heart dr shane just like anybody yeah it's one of those things that's how the chips fell that's how the cookie crumbled is well is what i will say but i look forward to seeing him on the screen with wanda in dr strange too yeah yeah i mean it's very cryptic you know very cryptic makes you think something fell through the something fell through I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, we did our review, of course. I thought, I still thought WandaVision was fantastic. Yeah. I still have very high expectations for Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier has the advantage of... I'm not expecting Cap to show up. I'm not expecting, you know, uh, Armin Zola. I, I don't even know who else. I'm not expecting anybody else no. that is not just supposed to... That we know is in the show to show up. Nobody else. Except the people that are in the character posters. Right. The people that are in the trailers, in the posters. Because that's what we got in this one. It's when we yeah, got nobody we that, that we didn't know. Was going yeah. On. So that's completely what I expect in Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, even if they drop all these hints about aerospace engineers, I'm not going to be yeah. freaking out and saying, oh, I think that's that could be this one. Now, on the one hand, you've got a show like The Mandalorian where... There's, I can, I can name you the on, thing, though. on like two hands. They have the Mandalorian the amount of characters that we didn't, and it's like they didn't tell us we're in it. You know they, that we're in it. First, they're leaking, you know, some characters. Yeah, there's, the there's rumors, and then they come out and, and release a whole bunch of other characters yeah. in the Mandalorian that you don't even think are going to be in it. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it's it's like completely different kind of modes of thinking, but um, but yeah, the but the bar is set much lower for Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think. Yeah, it it, it I think. I guess just the difference with Wanda. Well, it's a, it's it's interesting because Star Wars, we're in a position where that was the only show that that they were they did for a couple of years. And then you had these major movies, but the show was set in a different time period. Here you have this these Marvel shows that are set in the same time period with the movies. So perhaps the the chance the chance to take bigger risks with the show maybe makes more sense for something like the Mandalorian because whatever you're talking about, it's 
something that happened prior to the movie that they were running in the current timeline with The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Um, with Marvel, in a way, you would think they would take more risks because they're connected to the movies that are playing right now. But maybe, like, you know, it's just like, again, wrestling analogy, like, do you want to put your title match on Raw or do you want to put it on WrestleMania? Like, would it, wouldn't it make more sense to kind of save the craziest of things for the, the you know, the movies? It, it would. And that's my that's kind of one of my fears when it comes to, you know, all these projects is are we in a position where, uh, not that, again, not that the shows aren't in any way important, but are they kind of just supplements to the shows? You know, or, or is there something larger that whenever there's a show to drop that you may see something very ma- major in terms of what the ramifications are for the entire MCU? And and, and, and when, I, when we say that, we mean the future or appearances we may see. I think there's a chance there still is, but it's just, it's a question that, that will indeed be had. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, that's going to be an interesting... Uh... It's gonna be interesting to follow with this entire thing, with what Marvel's doing. I get the sense that Marvel is not going to take the Star Wars approach in terms of like there being like a million epic reveals and stuff. I think these movies will be I mean, these shows will be more so supplementary, and there will be cool stuff. Like obviously, you know, the scrolls showing up and it was not something that we expected in WandaVision. You argue we expected it, but uh, not somebody told us was happening. Um, not wasn't something that was very obvious. Um, so there will be there will still be your after credit scenes and things of that nature, but um, I don't think it's going to be at the level of what we've gotten, uh, what we got from the Mandalorian, where you had, you know, five or six major Star Wars characters. Some we had an idea were coming, some we didn't have an idea, uh, all debuting uh, on Disney Plus for the first time. All setting up backdoor pilots and things of that nature. So I don't think you're getting that in Marvel. I think the Marvel stuff will be stuff that'll tie into the movies, you know. Right. But the movies will be the ones where you'll get the major stuff, you know. Right. So I think that's something that you know Feige isn't gonna go off of. He's not gonna start copying the Mandalorian model, you know. He has his own model of, you know, movie and TV making that I think we'll see be unique to what we saw from Favreau and Dave Filoni with the Mandalorian. But there's, there's apparently good news on the way, though, guys, because according to George's St. Pierre, all of the theories and the and and the ramifications for what's going to happen in Falcon Winter Soldier is actually going to be bigger than what we got for WandaVision. That's, oh. that's what that's what he said. Oh, that's, what he, that's what is he, he coming said. out of retirement, EJ? Whoa, he's is supposed he to be fight? in Falcon. He's, he's in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, you talking about fight? Oh, you about retiring for fighting? I'm like, <laughs> I want to see him fight out of time, man. That's what I'm worried about. I don't, need, I don't hear what he's got to say about Wandavision. I Maybe mean, that's a topic for sports talk, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> what he's saying. Though he's saying that it could be bigger. That is huge. Yeah. That they they put so much budget into this thing. It's incredible. I don't even know what I need to know. I don't know the whole story like, to tell you the truth. I wanted uh, to work my entire life. <laughs> I'm not falling into this trap again, man. If something big happens. I'll be there to watch it <laughs> Friday, Friday morning, uh, March 19th through, you know, all the way through April. But I'm not going to I'm not going to get my hopes up the same way we did with WandaVision. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was an epic letdown based on where our expectations were, like 
not maybe before the series, but by like episode four, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of it. Some of it's our fault, but some of it, most of it was, you know, just the own co- the comments that they made while it's, the show. Yeah, was like, it's it's like that's the thing. Yeah. I do want to say that. Like, look, I've seen. I, I tweeted about it a couple of times over the past few days or so, and I loved One Division. It was a great ride. Had a lot of fun. It was so great to have Marvel back in the fold. I think that award season WandaVision needs to be represented greatly. But I am starting to get very tired of people in this industry defending WandaVision's decision to to not really build on any TVs that they left and act like it's the fans' fault or that they somehow were crazy for thinking that there'd be more. It's just it's, it's it's to me it's super facetious. Some of these folks are the same folks that were playing along with the fan theories, and now they're saying, "Oh well, you guys were dumb to think that they actually would do any of this stuff." And it's like, no, like these actors and people involved with the show spoke on the record about how crazy and mind blowing everything about the show was gonna be, and that all these theories that are happening that you guys haven't seen nothing yet. These are the kind of this is the kind of language they were using. Like, the show itself has reasons to believe that things, crazy things are going to happen. You know, I don't know how many times Schaefer this week has just been saying, yeah, I'm sorry. I know you guys saw that Wonder Man, you know, Easter egg. I had nothing to do with that. I don't know. That's nothing Nothing was going on with my show. Oh, that Easter egg? Yeah, we didn't do anything with that. The commercials? Uh, yeah, nothing with that. Why there were two people in the same commercials? Uh, that, nothing wrong with that. There was nothing to it. Like, they made conscious decisions that led people to thinking things because it was very smart stuff and it was very meticulous. And now you have some of this stuff kind of just being explained away. Like, oh, yeah, we just thought it'd be cool. We thought it'd be funny or whatever. And that's okay. But, like, I'm tired of these people, the industry folk, that want to defend everything that this show did and say, oh, you guys are dumb for complaining about not getting things. It's like they presented itself to be tricked. Like, these people aren't crazy for, for thinking that they may see... Some major X Men characters. A major X Men character showed up in the show. <laughs> like, like it just it, it to me like this kind of gaslighting that we're seeing, <laughs> and it's it, and it's to me guys, it's just like it's, it's to me it becomes a problem with Stan culture that we have right now, where nothing can be critiqued on any level, and it, you're actually the idiot if you didn't get what they were trying to do, and. For people who even love this show, like myself, like I got so tired of seeing these people defending WandaVision's decision to not really give us anything major in terms of universe building, and and then act like it was people are were, were like they were making stuff up, like there was nothing to be seen here, and that these people were making up things out of thin air, like it's just nonsense, and this is a show that's too good. For that kind of defense. Like, you don't need that kind of defense. It's a great show. We could have an honest conversation and critique it, and you could have difference of opinion of the decisions they made. But to go on and act like, oh, what they did, you guys actually were just making stuff up, and you guys were... This show was always going to be what it said it was going to be. Cap! 100% cap! Maybe when the beginning, when they told us what the show was, yes, I would say from what the early generation, what they told us it was and what we got, that is true. But pretty much since... Right before this show came out to the ep- seventh episode, maybe. And all that got thrown out the window. And I get you want to put your own show over. I get you want to keep people engaged. And you could, you, it's your right to pull 
people under the rug. It's their right to feel however they feel about it. I can't, what I just can't stand, guys, is just this idea that the people who do feel a way about, hey, man, they set up some stuff and they told us stuff that didn't really come true. And people say, oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You're making that up. It's like, what are you talking about? It's it's all right there. It's all documented. Like, but the stand culture, like, with stand culture, there's no reasoning with it. There is no logic. It's just stand no matter what. So, no, WandaVision never said anything about mutants or anything, any allusions to anything greater than just WandaVision and a sitcom. Really? You don't really believe that. <laughs> like, come on, man. Uh, that's my yeah. soapbox for today. But it just, I've been seeing this for the last several days and it's been nauseating because i love this show and yet people are defending it to for no reason the theory that doesn't that doesn't need defending the theories would not have been nearly as crazy if evan peters wasn't even in it right that's their choice like that that was i love what jack schaefer did but that was jack's choice to put evan peters in the show and make him quicksilver and then to act like fans are crazy for not for being upset or being disappointed that there were no X-Men yeah. concepts. It's like, what world are you living in? <laughs> come on, man. Like, again, some of this is common sense. But when, you come to, when it comes to staying culture, common sense doesn't exist sometimes. Yeah, and that's I what I've like seen with some of this defense. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these, these like, producers and directors, they need someone um, in their circle that's not... Well, that's not a yes man, first of all, but but that's that's like a, in t- that's that's seems to be like in touch with what fans are saying on right? the internet, yeah, and, yeah, and, or, or what or, or can anticipate what they will say and what the reactions will be and like, what the expectations you know, will become I don't if you jump do back this. to the Mandalorian, but like clearly Dave Filoni, especially because given what right. he did, what he's done with the Clone War, right. what he's done with Star Wars Rebels, and now what he's done with the Mandalorian, but then yeah. also John Favreau, who I'll be running the show, they have such they're so in tune, very in tune with what the fans want to see, very, very in tune, like everything, everything that we could have hoped Even for. Whenever we in the see, Mandalorian. whenever we see Filoni talk about. The fan theory. He's always kind of smirk. He's like, oh, he knows. He knows what everyone's saying. Me and Shamari have watched Dave Filoni at so many panels. So many panels, events, events, and and they poke and prod him, asking what's going to be in this and what's going to be in that. He's like, oh, well, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, he knows what the fans want. People are saying this, people are saying that. I don't know. (laughs) But he knows what they're saying. And I feel like Feige has some of that instinct. But sometimes right. he goes back into like, almost like a troll. Yeah, so like, sometimes he digs into yeah. like let me mess with the fans a little bit. I it's know he very, so much- it's very. I'm telling you guys, it's very Vince McMahon like. Yeah, yeah. Like, Vince right. McMahon does the same thing. Like Vince McMahon, sometimes you think he's in tune because he'll give you some nods, he'll do some cool things, and other times he'll do things and you're just like, yo, like he knows people were looking for this. Why would he do this? <laughs> it's like sometimes it's because they can, like. Exactly. And I never thought I'd be comparing Kevin Feige to Vince McMahon ever in my life. <laughs> but this aspect to how they did their creative process sometimes is similar. And it's this idea sometimes that like like they both it, like they're both passionate about like what superheroes supposed to be and what wrestling is supposed to be, or at least wrestling entertainment is supposed to be. But then like every now and then like they'll want to just throw in something for the sake of like again, what sometimes feels like an audience of one. It's like only you wanted this to happen. No people could have seen what happened with Evan Peters and thought that was what I was hoping they would have done with Evan Peters when you learned he was going to be on the show. Only 
Jackman, Shackman, Schaefer, and Faye could have could that's the only people you're pleasing with that. And you're an artist. You gotta do what what stimulates you as an artist. But and 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 to be fair to you know Feige and even the Vince McMahon, like a lot of the times they do give a lot of the fans of what they want. But these little times sometimes they come through and then they come through hard. And what the problem is again, the stand culture comes through and says, Oh no, no, they 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 never were gonna give you anything you wanted. What are you talking about? It's like what do you mean? They they like Feige always gives me what I want. What do you mean? <laughs> now all of a sudden, oh no, no, they were only gonna just do a sitcom that was gonna be very contained. That was only that's all they teased. That was all you saw on the show. That was all that was talked about. It's like a Jedi mind trick they're trying to put on people. When it's like I am a rational person who talks about this stuff every week. I follow this stuff every week very closely, and that's not what happened. <laughs> but they got they did what they did, and again we can have a conversation more than I was right or wrong. Did you like it? Did you not like it? But this pretending and this rewriting of history about what actually happened. This kind of thing I see happen in stand culture. It happens with sports. It happens with hip-hop. It happens with television and movies. It happens with every facet where because of stand culture, they just you could just rewrite how things are being done and things that are being said when your eyes tell you and your ears hear what is happening. And unfortunately with this, this is what I think we've gotten with some of this stuff with people defending WandaVision to no end when it comes to like people expecting more. It's like... Yeah, they expected a lot from a Marvel superhero show where they took a character from a different universe and put him into the show. How dare they think that maybe there's a multiverse aspect coming into this? How dare they think that maybe they're alluding to the mutants from that other world? It's crazy. It's nuts. It's nuts. Anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of New Generation Hero Talk. I want to shout out to my guys, uh, Kendall and Sham. We had a major technical difficulty trying to record this podcast and we're essentially giving you guys uh in some ways like a redux of what we had actually shot or recorded at least that was completely gone so i want to shout out my guys for bringing keeping the energy and i hope uh you guys will agree you know delivering a hell of a podcast for you guys this week despite technical difficulties we had um of course make sure you catch all of our shows on new generation podcast network you find us on spotify Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and uh, Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow uh, Shamari on Snapchat and Instagram, MCSham22. Kendall can be found at New Gen Ken. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in to this podcast. We'll be back next week with more Hero Talk. Shamari for Kendall. I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.